Welcome to the first message of our new series on the Gospel of John. John begins his Gospel by describing Jesus as the Logos, a word that means that Jesus is the answer to all the great questions of life, who we are, what is the meaning and purpose of life, and how I'm designed for life to work. Only in a relationship with Jesus Christ can we ever properly understand the right answers to all these great questions. As we dive into this, you know, we've got to recognize that we're going to the Gospel of John. And, and many of you, if you know the, the New Testament, there are four what they call Gospels that are really the story of Jesus' life and ministry. And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and when we look at these Gospels, uh, each of them tell a, a, a little different story. It's all the same, you know, story of the life of Jesus in ministry, but different emphasis. And out of these four, John is probably the one that is most distinctive, that emphasizes more things that are distinctive from Matthew, Mark, and Luke than, than any of the other ones. And, and we see something of this different emphasis right off the bat, the very first verses, the verses that we just read. You see, especially when you go to Matthew and you go to Luke, what happens is those, those stories start with the, the events around Jesus' birth. And so we're probably most familiar with Luke's story. So it tells us that an angel appeared to Mary and told her that even though she was a virgin, she would conceive a child through the Holy Spirit. And, and then Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. And in Luke 2, the very f familiar story, they, you know, they found a stable because there was no room in the inn. And the angels appeared to the shepherds and, and they came to visit the newborn born baby. Now Matthew tells the same story, but from a different angle. So it really emphasizes the angel coming to Joseph. And, and God communicating to Joseph about this miracle. But both of them really start off by telling us the events of Jesus' birth, emphasizing his humanity and the humility of his birth. But when John begins his gospel, it's the same story, but an incredibly different emphasis. He doesn't tell us about the events of Jesus' birth. He doesn't stress the humility of, of, you know, of, his, of, of God becoming man. Instead, he gives us an incredibly different perspective, focusing on the meaning of who Jesus was. The meaning of, of God, that he was God come in human flesh. And so, again, if you have your Bibles, look at how he begins. He begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Or with God. All things were made through him and without him. Not anything was made that has been made. Now, we look at that and you say, you know, that's not only very different, it's kind of surprising. It's kind of, you know, some of us, maybe we've read it so many times, we're used to it. If you're relatively new to the faith and you haven't read this, you're like, that's a really unusual wording. You know, the Word, and the Word was with God, and what does that mean? And, and clearly he's talking about Jesus, but it's, it's, it's kind of cryptic, it seems like. Well, it is an unusual description. And the key to the unusual aspect, and then the key to understanding it, is understanding of the meaning of the word translated in the English here as word. In the beginning was the word. You see, what he's doing is he's talking about the ultimate meaning and purpose of life, the questions, the biggest questions that we would ask. And right off the bat, what John is saying, he's making this an incredible statement, he's making an incredible claim that the ultimate questions in life that everyone's asking, that the philosophers are searching for, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to what we were created for, why we're here. He's, he's the answer. Now, the key is understanding this Greek term that's translated as word. It's the Greek word logos. Now, again, for many of you that are here know that I, I seldom really get into the Greek or the Hebrew and what these words mean. And I do that in large part because there's value in studying those, and sometimes it might bring a little bit of depth 
to what it's saying, but usually the, the core meaning you could understand in English. And, and we get the meaning here, but this is one of the things that it's hard to get the full depth of the meaning, and the reason is because there is no, there's no close English equivalent to the Greek word logos. You know, we translate it word, but that's, that's not even close to the meaning is. In fact, it's hard to say it in a, in a short sentence. The idea of logos was something that was just loaded with huge meaning. It was actually a term that came predominantly from Greek and Roman philosophy. It was a philosophical term. And, but it was one that, that people would have been aware of. You see, what happened is that the Greek and Roman philosophers, they looked around and they saw nature and they saw in nature balance and they saw harmony and order and they concluded that there must be some kind of cosmic philosophical or spiritual truth, some principle behind everything that, that brought order. And that's what they called the logos, the ultimate answer to the ultimate questions, an organizing principle, a spiritual philosophical truth that, that is behind everything, that explains everything, that unites everything. It was the answer to the great philosophical questions of life. You know, who are we? Why are we here? What is the purpose of life? What is life about? What is meaning? You know, how are we designed? How are we to function? It, it literally, if we look at it, you know, we see, we translate it word probably the closest to it, and you get this, it's the, it's the root word from which we get the English logic. It's, it's the logic of life, the answer to life, the, the one thing that if you understand it, Everything else makes sense. The ultimate reason and design of the universe. Now the fact is, we understand that as we interact with things, they have a logic, they have a design, they have a purpose. And you've got to understand those purposes to be able to use them right. So let's say, for example, you know, somebody is, let's say I'm, I'm you know, not from a civilized area, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm from this area that knows very little about modern technology, and I, and I suddenly come across this instrument here. And I look at it and I say, well, that's clearly something that has some design, it has some purpose. And, but if I don't know what it is, I don't even know what it's called, I, I have no idea what it is, so I'm looking at it and I'm trying to figure it out. And I realize, well, if I push this lever on the top, it kind of makes it go forward. Well, so maybe it's, it's, something, it's something that I'm supposed to sit on and ride on, it takes me around, it's kind of a transportation vehicle. Well, well, then I realized, well, not only that, but it actually, when it's running, it, it conveys some heat. So maybe, maybe I'm supposed to make it, use it as a hot plate, and I'm supposed to put the plate on top, and where it gets hot on top there, and then press the thing, it's supposed to be a, a means by which you deliver food. And so, so I'm trying to guess what it is. Well, then I turn it over, and I realize, man, it's got, it's got these blades that spin around, and they go really fast, and maybe I'm supposed to hold it up and cut things. And, Maybe it's for cutting hair. Hey, I call my wife over. Hey, come stick your head in here. Try this out. Maybe it's, let's, see, let's see if we've got this right. Now, we look at that and you say, no, of course, it, that's, you know, that's terrible. But if I don't know what it is, what am I going to do? I know there's some kind of meaning. I know that somebody built it for some purpose, and I'm guessing. And I can come up with all kinds of not only wrong guesses, but all kinds of dangerous guesses. And these, and these wrong and dangerous guesses will keep me totally away from ever discovering the true design which people actually build that for and buy it for. Now what we've got to realize is that we've got to recognize in the same way that we are designed, we are built. And if we understand what we were designed for, if we understand our purpose, if we understand and sense the, the an owner's manual, 
what happens is, is that we can be effective if we don't. What happens is, is in the same way that our lives don't go well. You know, we become out of track and, you know, literally it can become dangerous. It can become destructive. And so that's why, the, you know, the, the philosophers always, they debated, what is the logos? We need to realize that there is a logos, there is a purpose, there is a design, there is an organizing principle, and we've got to find it. They were committed to finding it because they realized it was important. And if you don't know it, if you're just living through life, you know, you're not going to find contentment. The more that you align with your design, with the logos of life, the more effective your life is going to be. The less aligned you are, the less effective, the more broken life is going to be. And so they understood that. And they searched for that, and the philosophers tried to figure it out, but the fact is they couldn't figure it out. And some people had different opinions and different theories and, and, and whole different philosophical systems, and nobody could agree. And none of them seemed to work. And along comes John in that context. And he says, oh, I want you to realize as I'm beginning the book, I want you to know there is a logos. There is a unifying principle. There is something explains all of life, but it's not what you think. If you're looking for principles, if you're looking for abstractions or, or books or rules, it's not that. There is a logos, there is a thing to live for, something that defines things, but it's a person, it's Jesus. In the beginning was the logos, and Jesus is that. He is the, he is the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. He was in the beginning with God. And what it's saying is that Jesus is the explanation for life. Jesus is the thing that if you understand him and if you align with him, everything in life is going to work. It's going to work better. And if you're not aligned with, with him, it's not going to work. He's the rationale for life. He's the authority for life. He's, he's in a sense, the, you know, the owner's manual that helps us to figure out what we're designed for and how we're to function. He's saying that Christianity answers all those questions. It answers the great philosophical questions. But it's not a philosophy. It's not less than, but it's way more than, because it's something that covers every aspect of life. You see, but the answers to these questions aren't in a philosophy, they aren't in navel-gazing, they aren't in theorizing. They're ultimately answered in a person. And, G and John starts his book using this terminology, knowing that that audience understood what Logos was. And they would talk about that, and he uses it in a way that gets their attention. And he's saying, you're right, there is something at the center. And in the beginning, that's where it was, and it's Jesus Christ. And not only that, but when you're looking for that, you're looking for something out there. You know, the philosophies, philosophers were looking and pursuing and saying, we've got to find what it is, and we've got to research, and we've got to theorize, and we've got to, it's something that's out there to be discovered, that's something that is, you know, that is elusive. And look at what John says about this in John 1.14. And the word, the logos, became flesh. So it's not only in the beginning there was, but then he became flesh and he dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He has come to us. That the logos isn't some abstract idea that we're spending our whole life trying to discover and hoping we can figure out. No, it's not that something we pursue. It's something that is pursuing us. It's something that is come into the world that is taken on human flesh, that, that's not abstract, it's real. It's something that is touched, it's truth that literally impacts every aspect of, of real life. See, and only when we align with that will our lives work. 
Now, there's even deeper truth to, to that, of understanding what it means that the ultimate reality of life isn't a philosophy, it isn't an abstract principle, but it's a person. You see, if, if you, like the philosophers of that day, or like our day, thought that the meaning of life was basically an abstract principle, how do you align with that? How do you really align yourself with a theory or a principle? How do you make that something that becomes shaping for who you are? Not only that, how do you discover that? You see, because for you to discover that, you've got to be really smart. You've got to be the elite. You've got to be the philosopher. You've got to be the scholar. And there's only a few people that are ever going to be that smart to figure that out. And so it's something that is, that is studied by scholars and philosophers and not for the normal, ordinary people. And when you do that, it's, it's something to be held at some distance and to be reflected on mentally. But it's not something that you can actually align yourself with. And what he's saying here is saying, John's saying, no, the logos is true, but it's not this, this principle that's out there that's only for the elite, for the scholars, for the smart, for the, for the intellectuals. It's open to all. It's not a hidden truth. It's not something that is out there that is, you know, that is only a few can discover. The story of the Logos is the Logos making himself known, coming in human flesh so that we can know him through, not study, but through relationship. A relationship. All of us aren't necessarily geared towards theological and philosophical study, but all of us are geared toward relationship. And the Logos is God pursuing us to have this kind of relationship with us. It's the meaning to life. And, and when we understand that, the more we align him, ourselves in this relationship with God, creator, the author of all things, the one who is not only the author that is at a distance, but thou has made himself known, taking on human flesh, the more we align with him, the more we're aligning with what's true in the universe, the more that we find that life makes sense, that life works, that we discover there is a purpose, there is a meaning, there is a design. Now, when you understand everything that he's saying here, it's all shocking. It was shocking in that day, and if we really think about it, it's, it's still shocking to our day. But he goes beyond that, and he says, okay, if you understand this, it's not only there's this logos, but understanding that he is the ultimate answer to all life's questions is rooted in the fact that you also understand that it's a person who is also the creator. He is, he is the logos because he is the designer and the creator of our lives. Again, look at John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything has been made that has been made. He's saying that you've got to understand that everything finds its design. There isn't anything that exists that isn't made by Him, and because He's not only the Creator, He's the designer, everything finds its meaning and purpose and design in Him. You know what happened, unfortunately, in John's day, like in our day. You have people that... We, we still have people debate the philosophers. And you, but you know what happens? You go to most of these, you know, if you go to school and you study philosophy at secular university, you're going to come away not in, enlightened with truth. You're going to come out way more confused. These are you know, people that are the most confused people you could ever imagine. They just know how to say it in big words. You know, that's, that's, you know, they sound smart because they can say, I have no idea what's going on in big words no one else can understand. So we say, oh, they must be smart. They are confused. And, and, and you see, I see students go to the philosophy and they walk away and they're, you know, they, they question everything. They don't, they don't discover anything. 
And that was true in John's day as it is in his, our day. You know, we're searching for it, we can't find it. And unfortunately, many philosophers today walk away and their answer is, there is none. We know there should be a logos, but we can't find it. There is none. There is no unifying truth. In fact, a lot of that is, has made, been made worse in our day because it's, it's in large degree based on a philosophical idea that is linked to where we come from. So if you have a, a starting point that's saying, we are not designed, we are, we are not created, we don't have any designer, but instead, our worldview is that in the beginning, there was nothing. It's not in the beginning there was God or in the beginning there was a loss. In the beginning there was nothing. There was no power. There was no creative purpose. There was nothing. And suddenly out of that nothing, boom, a big bang came. And everything, you know, magically appeared out of nothing. We don't know how that happened, but, you know, but you're crazy for believing in God. But we're, we're scientific for thinking that everything in the creation came from nothing. Okay, so nothing, everything. And then out of random chance, out of billions of years, that randomly everything you know, the random everything that came from nothing suddenly becomes not only something, but it organizes itself. And somehow it organizes itself into planets, into stars, and solar systems. And, and then, by chance accumulation over billions of years, our planet somehow organized itself into life. And life started, and then that life somehow evolved, and it became who we are today. But there was never any design. There was never any logos. There was never any plan or intention or purpose. We are all purposeless beings that are a result of the random biological process that led to our evolution. Now, that's the philosophy of our day. They would say, even though our bodies appear to have intricate design, that's only an illusion. You know, that's only, it appears, it's amazing, you see these scientist shows that talk about evolution, and they talk about design all the time. You know, well, if you have design, you have a designer. Well, no, it only appears to have a design. We don't know how to explain it without saying design, but there's really no design, it's all accident. You see, it's not only that our bodies have no design, but our souls have no design. Our world has no design. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. There's, there's no design for how we're to, to work, for, for how things are effective. No, instead, we, we just make everything up as we go. And so philosophy is figuring out what are the best things we can make up and what works for you. And if that works for you, that's your truth. But the terrible thing is that you see person after person look at the philosophers and look at the end of their life and you find out that way too many of these people live by a set of rules, a purpose that they make up and they get to their end of their life and it totally destroys them. It's like they took the lawnmower and they're trying to cut their hair. That's what's happening. See, what we've got to realize is that when we look at that, that explains so much of what's going on, you know, tragically in our culture. Think about you know, suicide rates. Here we live in America. We live in a place of incredible wealth, incredible opportunity, the wealthiest country ever in the history of the world. We have all this technological advancement, all these things that's supposed to make life better. But you know, in the last 18 years, suicide rates in America have gone up 30%. Across the board, at every level, every age gap, everything. It's now the 10th leading death, cause of death in America. Well, and then we have depression. Do you know, as Americans, we take more antidepressants than the rest of the world combined? We're people that are depressed, that are discouraged, that are, that are calling it quits, that are pulling the end. And, and you've got to look at it and say, is it possible 
that maybe when you're teaching a philosophy that says there is no meaning in life, you have no value, you're just the root of accident, there is no purpose, that maybe those things are related? And what we see is we see the impact of those thinkings in our world and unfortunately it's, it's, it's causing incredible destruction. It's like people trying to figure out a lawnmower and playing with it to figure out what its purpose is. And it's causing destruction. And John says, no, you've got to start by understanding there is a logos, there is a design, there is a unifying purpose, there is an answer to all those things in, in, in life, but it's all found in the creator. It's the creator who is the source of all meaning, purpose, and design. When he made us, he wrote those things into our DNA physically and spiritually. He designed the, the world to work in, in that way. And he's teaching us, look at this. It's not only that there is a logos, but you understand that the logos comes from the identity or from the fact that he created us with purpose. There is a creator who made us and designed us and gave us value because we're created in God's image. Gave us purpose in life that we live for something that has eternal significance. And again, look at what he says, verse, John 1, in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the word was with God, the word was, with, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, not anything was made that has been made. And I want you to notice even in this, there is an echo here. There is not only a statement of saying, he is a creator of all things, but there's an echo all the way back to Genesis. And for those that know Genesis, you know that in Genesis 1, it talks about in the beginning was, was, uh, was, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And you look at that in John 1, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning God created, in the beginning the word, who was God. And he created. And he's clearly linking all this back to the idea of creation. Now you can think about this even when you look at creation. There's such beauty and value. When you study creation, it tells you something about design. There's such beauty when you look at that and you say, why is it that there's the beauty of these things? Why is it, not only is there this beauty, but why does the, the ecosystems that are so delicately balanced, they work perfectly? You know, I think I, I love the study of creation. And, and um, you know, again, I've, I've shared this before, but my kids, you know, when we're on vacation, we tend to go to you know, like places like mountains and we'll walk around and, and, and they get tired of me saying this. We'll come to this corner and this beautiful thing. I say, I know who made that. You know, didn't he do a good job? You know, I love that because it declares the glory of God. But you know, even in creation throughout most of human history, we could look at creation, but we were limited to this, this little slice of where we lived. We couldn't understand animals that you know, were totally different than what we ever dreamed or mountains or you know, seasides or you know, beauty that we... You know, that we're outside of this little, little piece of the world where we lived. And now we're given that. We're, we're given this opportunity because of travel and because of video and things like this to, to see things that overwhelm us. But if God's calling us to look at creation, to see that Jesus is the creator, let me take a moment, not describing, but to use the opportunity that we have to, to ask you just to reflect on the work of the creator and what it says about who he is and about his design.
I never cease to be amazed by that. You look at that and you say, that is our creator. In the beginning, there was a Logos who created all that. And when we see that, we have to be amazed that there is a design, there is a purpose, there's something that ties it together, there's something that makes it work and function so perfectly in harmony. And as nature proclaims that need for a defining logos, we've got to understand that, that, that we have been designed by that logos. And only when we, and we align ourselves with, with him will we understand who we are and our design. See, what he's telling us here is though, that we've got to realize that we are created by that, but we've lost that logos. That's why people are searching for it. They, they've lost that. And Jesus came to restore, in a sense, he came as the creator to do a work of recreation, of restoring the things that we knew and that we understood in the beginning, but that we lost. Let me show you where John is trying to teach this. It, it, when we look at this, he's, he's not only trying to echo the story of creation, but look at what he says in, in John, in, where we saw in, in John 1.1, 1, 1. but look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now, this may be something that we may not be obviously clear at first, but look at the very beginning. We go back to Genesis. In the beginning was God. What was the first thing he did in creation? And God said, let there be light. The very beginning. And what does it say here? That he was light. He was the light that shines in darkness. Then we go to the very end of creation in Genesis 1, and what do we see that he does at the very end of Genesis 1? And it, we're, we're told that he formed the man out of the garden of the of, of ground and he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and so he created life. So now when we see that, we see, what does it say? What is that echo? In him was life and the life was the light of men. This life shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That he's restoring lost light. He's restoring the life that we were created for. And it's only when we align ourselves with him will it make sense. He's come to do a work of create, recreation, but it's a work of recreation that exposes truth. What is the Logos? The Logos is the overwhelming truth, the, the, the design, what we were created for. And the light exposes what is true. It exposes what we're created for. Again, all, you know, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. See, it's not a philosophy to be studied or an intellectual idea to be debated. It's a person that we're to have a relationship with. And when we have this relationship with him, it changes us at our core. And only in that relationship will we discover what we're made for. Now, some people would say, well, you know, that's your truth and that's just my truth. And no, I want you to realize that it doesn't matter what you believe or what, it, what you, this is creation. This is what's true. You could be totally sincere in your belief. You could totally think, well, this is my truth. You could think, well, the, for my use of this lawnmower is a haircut, you know, for care cutting. And you could believe that, but it's not going to work. It's not only going to not cut lawns, what it was designed for, it may kill you trying to cut your hair. And the same thing's true that we can have all whatever beliefs we want, but God designed us according to what's true. And only when we align ourselves with what is true will life work. And just closely, uh, you know, practice, or just closing, I want to show you that again in one, or verse 1, it says, when the light shines in darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. And some translations have that not overcome, but have under, understood it. And the idea is it's a word that it has two meanings. And, and I think it means both. It says that here you have Jesus who's shining in the darkness, and on one hand, there's an inability of the light to overcome, or darkness to overcome it. The fact is, is that we live in a world that re rejects God, that rejects biblical truth, that rejects absolute truth. 
and, and, it, and you go in a, in a lot of places and you know God is totally shut out. But the fact is, no matter how dark you try to shine, you can't extinguish the light. The fact is, is that we were created, and this is the truth of the Logos, and nothing can change that. All our sincerity, all the scholars, all the change of the culture, all the change of technology, nothing can change the fact that this is true. Darkness will never overcome it. But there's also a sense that we've got to realize that it says that darkness will not be able to understand it. And we've got to realize that because of our sin nature, there's a sense that in our sin nature that are that it, you know that we're looking for answers apart from God. And that is why the culture, that's why the Greek philosophers looked everywhere else. That's why, you know, in evolution and the scholars today, they're looking for everywhere else. We're looking for some kind of source of truth. We're trying to get it to make sense. And, and you will have all kinds of people that will reject God, but the fact is, is that why we don't understand it, it's we don't understand it because we have to admit that there's a source of truth outside of ourselves. There's an authority outside of ourselves that we have to accept. And the light exposes that. And the question then is, what is our response to what God exposes? What is our response to the light of Jesus' truth? And here, just in closing, I want to say, you know, there may be some people here that, that I'm talking to, and, and, and you're sitting there saying, I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to live like this, I'm, 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 I'm trying to find meaning and purpose in life, I'm trying to make my life work, and it hasn't worked. And what you've got to realize is that if you try to find if you try to find the answers to these questions anywhere outside of a relationship with Christ, it's just not going to work. Not because you're not sincere, not because you're not trying hard, but because it's not true. The heart of reality is Jesus and a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and you have philosophers and different theologians and different books that are going to try to find the answer out there. But the fact of the matter is, it isn't an answer out there to be found. It's a person. A creator whose story is about him coming to us, the Logos taking on human flesh, to become your reality, not only the reality of the world, but to say, now will you accept that as your reality? Will you align your life with him, the ultimate truth, the only place to find truth? The idea that God so loved the world, God so loved you that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him he would forgive their sins, that, that he would welcome into relationship with him. And so the question is today, will you surrender your life to the truth, to the logos, to the word, to the creator, to the designer, to the one who loves you? And the whole story of John is how he's pursued you to have that relationship with you. Thanks for joining us. If you have any questions about what we talked about, Jesus Christ, our church, or anything else, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or by email. We'd love to hear from you.